Welcome to the most energetic, positive, happy, and healthy podcast in the world. Living the dream. Dream stands for diet, rest, exercise, attitude, and meaning. I'm your host, certified health coach, motivational speaker, sober since July of 2016, American Ninja Warrior competitor, two-time world record holder, and ultra-marathoner, Matt Scaletti. Here we go! Welcome back, everybody, to the Live in the Dream podcast. Matt Scaletti here again with a special guest. This is Sandra Hasley. And Sandra, who does not go by Sandy, I found that out the hard way. I won't say that ever. Sandra is a Canadian-born American mother of four amazing children who's worked with thousands of women across the world as a business strategist and high-performance mentor. She is a two-time international best-selling author, and you will not believe the story that she will tell you about that. Keynote speaker focused on personal growth and evolution, wealth and joy for women in business without the struggle, and how success gets to be a whole lot easier. What's up, Sandra? Welcome. Hey, so, so happy to be here. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> this is going to be fun. We've already been having a good time before we started recording, yes. and now we're diving in. So how about a little of your background on how you got to where you are today? What was it like growing up and how did you get to this stage? You know, after moving to the States from Canada, I grew up all across the, the country. And so truly coast to coast um, with my three siblings, my parents. And so there's all these different cultures, all this different like land, temporal climates and, you know, different ways of doing things. And I think that kind of fed my desire and curiosity for what else is out there kind of thing. You know, what, what can I learn? What can I know? Who can I connect with? Everything was always exciting. And life felt like quite an adventure because of all the places we'd go. And every time we'd move, my mom would sit us down with like a pamphlet of the next place we're going and okay, kids, we're moving here. And so your instinct is to mimic your parents. Like, oh, we're excited. Okay. We're excited. So, you know, you move in and you're excited about it. And so it was never a, I'm scared to move. I'm nervous. It was always like, you know, kind of just mirroring our parents and taking the very traditional route to education into professional America, hoping for the whatever normal, reliable dream. And my one dream that I thought I had was I'm going to be like a Naval fighter pilot. And then I got into the Naval Academy and then my American citizenship didn't come through in time. So I had my very, very close cut backup plan was a academic athletic scholarship for softball at a university close to me. So I got to play D1 and I was like, I'm still maybe thinking about fighting fighter pilot life. Like if they, so I took engineering and I hated it. I hated it so much. I was the only girl in the entire engineering school there. And they were cool. Like the guys were cool and whatever, but like nobody was trying to help me study or anything. Like it was really hard. And so, um, you know, I, I went to the Disney college program. I founded a university. I loved it. St. Bonaventure university. I took the finance route because my dad told me that women in finance fast track go like you'll get your foot in the door easier. Cause you know, you're a minority. It'll be great. And then that didn't work like that. <laughs> like, and I and also oh. hated finance. <laughs> so it was very, very hard. It was very hard. It was a hustle culture, like crazy corporate America in commercial real estate in an old boys network in old school Buffalo with a bunch of 
old white dudes that have been doing it their way and their dad's way for the last 80 years. And this young blonde dumb thing comes walking in thinking that she knows something. And like, it was just awful. It was such hard work. It's hard work for the men, let alone a woman that's 10, 15, 20 years there junior. Like it was just, everything was hard, but I was a very high performer and I, you know, I had incredible relationships with the tenants, with partners, with vendors, with everybody in the area. And, you know, I was connected with VPs, directors, owners of, of every, you know, big company in the area. And so I was taught up in an industry that is very intelligent. That's got a lot of ancient truth to it. The numbers don't lie kind of thing. Right. And these are very reliable facts to land on when it comes to numbers. Like you can't mess it up. You can play with the numbers. You can move them here or there, but they make or break a deal. And so there's a lot, a lot of big, important mistakes to learn at that time in my life, very early on in my life. So it made me hyper cautious, hyper aware of what was important. And as in commercial real estate, you are dealing with very important companies and lots of their money and lots of like the decision to move or not to move or to grow into a space or not, or to make a deal or to get this mortgage brokerage to get you the loan for this. Is that a good deal? Like the competition is fierce and and the stakes are high. So having that relationship with tenants and future clients, potential clients, that was something that needed to be nurtured and it needed to be real. And as I was a junior from compared to so many other people in the field, in my neighborhood, like in, in the city of Buffalo, if I couldn't rely on the expertise and wisdom of 20 years behind my belt, I could definitely rely on absolutely being there for them and making sure that I was doing absolutely everything I could to meet their needs. And if I didn't know the answer, I'd find it out for them because at least I could definitely do that. Like I had men in my world that knew the answers and I would like, and I had lots of good friends in the, in the world. So I would talk to them and, you know, so really take care of my tenants and clients that way, because if I could help them grow, they did better. My company did better win-win and all that. And so, you know, over $500 million closed in, in real estate deals over the, over the course of my career and I get fired. And now it's like, now what? <laughs> now what? If you can get fired when you're good at your job and you've got a banging resume with the best connections in the entire like population of Western New York and you can't get a job for two years and over 400 applications go out and no one's hiring you for anything something's wrong and this isn't working. Oh, by the way, oh my, unemployment got cut off after month three. And I was like, okay. oh, what about my. those people that are on unemployment for 24 months straight? Like what's happening? Like everything was not doing what it was supposed to do. Like the anomaly, like I'm, I'm a walking anomaly that way. <laughs> and sometimes it's great. And other times it's like, this is a disaster. <laughs> so that was one of the disaster moments. But at the same time, look where it forced me. I wrote a post today that, that I kind of, the phrasing I used was like when entrepreneurship tackled me, that was the one thing I knew I didn't want to do is like, own my own. What? No. Like that's the scariest. Why would I do stress? No, absolutely not. So I, I constantly interacting with people who owned their own businesses in these companies. I was like, I do not want that crazy, awful life. No. And then I found out you could do it different ways. Like there's so many ways to do it. And that this stressful, hardworking, insane, compromised way of living your personal life versus your professional life, that this was a choice. That was an option and they were choosing it and I didn't want it so I could do it differently. So 
that's kind of, you know, super, super, super long story, kind of short, but that's kind of, that's where I ended up to where I am. Oh my, I, I got kicked out. <laughs> I, I didn't know that part of the story at all. So you get removed three months, unemployment's gone two years later. When did the transition happen into, okay, I want to become an entrepreneur. I want to start my own business and walk us through how you had the guts to do that. Yeah. I still didn't want to at all, but it was like, Hmm, at the time I had two kids, single mom. I'm like, uh, what, 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 what do I, what do I even do? So the experience that I had was really good. And I was really good at my, like really good at my job, which is why it stung so much because it was like, how, how do you fire the all-star? And if I'm not safe, no one's safe. And also they all lied to me for the last 30 years. Like everyone lied to me about like, this is a good idea. Go to school, do this, get this. And I'm like, the job didn't work. This didn't work. Like all of it didn't work. So, um, I am doing, freelancing, you know, call it freelancing, I guess. It's just people, Hey, you know how to do this. Can you do this for me? Can you do this for me? All the while I'm looking for jobs, looking for jobs, looking for jobs. And that's not a job. I'm just doing work on the side. That's not a business or anything, nor is it an option. So like, I was just really responding to the, to the people who knew that I wasn't working full time anymore at a place. And they're like, she can do this though. She can do it for me. And so it was more referral based. It was coming in. It was like coming in just enough to cover my needs but, but I had no plan. I wasn't considering it a job. So it was just like stress constantly, fear constantly, and like huge relief when I could pay my mortgage and feed the kids. And then, and then again, more stress and like fear. And then, cause I'm still focused on getting a job and putting these applications in and getting amazing interviews. And they're like, we'll call you on Sunday. This is it. Yep. Just got it. And then nothing. And I'm like, what is going on? Oh. So then it, it came to, it came to be that, you know, one of my, one of my good friends was like, you need to do in my house, what you've done in your house. You have to, like, I, I will pay you whatever you tell me you're going to charge me. I will pay it. And I'm like, okay. Cause I was a minimalist, very, very organized, very efficient. Like a lot of like, kind of like have my own operating procedures for how I do things in my house because of moving all the time. Like you don't get to hoard a bunch of stuff if your family's always going places, you know? So I organized my friend's home and I gave him systems of how to keep it that way and like what to do and, and how to shift his habits and all this. So that became, that turned into a professional organizing company. And only because at the, after doing it for about three, I think three people, they were like, this is a, this is a business. You should get a, like a DBA at least you should protect yourself somehow. Like you, yeah. this is, this is professional money. You should make it. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. So that was the first where I was like, I already did it a few times. They already liked it. So I, I didn't have to pitch myself and that didn't feel salesy and weird. So now it was just like, well, they asked me already and I'm already doing it. So I guess it's not that scary. And Hey, if it fails, nobody really knew because I'm not telling anyone. <laughs> like, so it felt safe. And my husband, he's a chiropractor and he's so sick of New York state and all the insurance blockages. I met him through my car accident from work when I was injured at work in a, in a car accident in Canada. And they cut you off from care when you're not done needing care. And the insurance game is like such a racket and everybody knows that. And so, but in Western New York, nobody's paying cash for treatments. They're all, it's like insurance or like, never mind, I'll suffer. Like, that's how the mentality is here. So, and he's like, I'm not doing it. I, I can't do it. I'm not going to work for these guys. I'm not going to do this. This is insane. We should open our own place. I was like, who's going to do that for us? And he's like, well, can't you? And I was like, no, I can't do anything. What? And he's like, <laughs> He's like, well, we got this place that we could rent. We can go get a line of credit over here. And I was like, looked at the numbers and I was like, 
I actually could make that work, but like the line of credit was unsecured. I was like, thank you, baby Jesus. Because if this does fail, I really don't want you taking my home and my kids and my property, whatever. And so I wasn't about to try to let it fail though. This was like my husband's dream. You know, like this is him as a chiropractor, having his own place was like his dream. So I was like, this is, that's all I need to put my heart and soul into it for him. And then we turned into be the highest rated health clinic for weight loss, natural weight loss in Buffalo in 18 months. And I was like, oh, so I can do it. Cool. But the whole time, the whole time I did that, like I had to fight through the idea that I was a business owner. I was a lot of crying, a lot of like a lot of conversations in my head, in the car and in the shower arguments with people that didn't exist with like, it just, there was so much, like I was fighting the idea of being an owner of a business until I started to feel like I was allowed to celebrate that I did something good, that I did something that worked, that I could rely on it because everything felt like everything was so unsafe. I couldn't trust anything. I was told this for 20 years, 25 years, whatever, and it didn't work. So how am I going to sit there and tell everybody that I'm doing this thing? What if the business doesn't work? Like I, I can't handle another loss like that, you know? So it felt very scary to own it. And then once we became successful and we did so well, and we're treating people all over the country, doctors are calling me, emailing me, hitting me on Facebook. Like, how did you do this? What did you do? Can you walk me through it? And more mentoring, more coaching, more of that. So this real estate stuff moved into this space. And I started to really occupy the online space where I was like, Hey, we bootstrapped all of it. So I wasn't paying for ads. I wasn't doing anything. I grew this thing organically. So yeah, I can tell you how to do it. And that kind of kicked it off from there. And then when I realized I was like, I've got insane systems. This thing is franchisable. I've packaged it perfectly. It's everybody already thinks it's a franchise. It's amazing. My work here is done. You know what I mean? Like, what do I want to do now? So that's when I realized that it like in late 2018, early 2019, I was like, it's me time for the first time in whatever, 36 years, it's time to do something that I love to do. And this is it. I'm blown away. I'm like, this story is just incredible. You go through all of, of that 2018 hits and then you decide, okay, it's Sandra time. And is, is this when you actually were focusing more on the mentor coaching side of the business? This is when end of 2018, early 2019 was like, what do I want to do then? Like, what am I even good at besides like being nice to people or whatever? I don't know. Like, you are good at that. You're very good at that. Does that, <laughs> does that pay you? I don't know. But I dug into like, what are, what do I love? What makes me happy? What makes me feel really satisfied, gratified? Like what, what are those? Like as I pulled elements from, you know, organizing from commercial real estate, from working the clinic, like all the little pieces, just kind of making lists like a web of like, what, what do I love about the things that I've done? Can I make anything out of this? Like, let's see what shakes out. And the through line was the coaching and mentoring. Like I didn't know anything about international like shipping trade. I didn't know anything about the brokerage services with these LTL truckers all across the country, New York state or Canada, United States. I didn't know anything about like products in the beauty industry, but I helped all of them and like a bunch more different crazy industries thrive. So definitely could help all the different industries thrive in the online space too. You know, the, the principles are the same. There are certain through lines in business that you can just promote and, and adopt and, and help other people with. So that became the thing. And I was like, I think I'm going to do that. So after it was maybe end of summer, around end of summer in 2019, where I just kind of like announced on Facebook on a live, one of my lives, I was just like, so I'm not going to be talking about the health clinic anymore. Now's a really good time to jump off my page and like never see me again. If you don't want to hear about business. Okay. Starting now, we're going to, and that was it. I just did the transition. And then 
Um, I never stopped talking about it. Here we are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is incredible. I, I just honestly, it's, I'm blown away by all of it. And so you, now you're, you're all in on the coaching side in, in the business world and you're, and I was, I was loving reading your bio as, as we were talking about this earlier. I would love to ask you about wealth and joy for women in business without the struggle. Uh, I mean, as soon as I read that, I thought I'm not a woman, but that sounds pretty appealing to yeah. me, like without the yeah. struggle. And yeah. So if you want to, and I know you and I discussed this, is we both know this man, David Goggins, who is an author, ex-Navy SEAL, and one of his things, and I think we both respect him in some capacity, but his thing is like, (laughs) you must suffer in order to grow. And when I heard you say, without the struggle, and I guess struggle and suffering is different, I was very interested in how you help women with wealth and joy and avoid the struggle. So can you... Can yeah. you elaborate on that? I love this because David Goggins is a um, absolute powerhouse. I feel like if this was ancient Greece, we'd be like, are you Zeus? Is that you, Zeus? And he'd be like, yes, it is. It's yes, me. Hi. Right. Welcome. You're you're blessed. <laughs> but I mean, he's so good. He's so good. So I feel like his core message of you don't grow without the suffering. I believe that's true. I believe that the, we love comfort and why would we change if things are good? And we don't invite the suffering and there's so much natural suffering that happens through life in general, just like through the world that we live in, um, death, loss, pain, illness, sickness, confusion, frustration, disappointment. There's so much stuff that happens to cause suffering that it becomes the catalyst for something better, the catalyst for change, the catalyst, even to say like, what's, what's my next move? Like what I have a choice to make, which one, which one I pick, which one am I going to go? And so I think that, you know, when he's saying, he's talking, you know, he, he references being overweight and coming to a point where like, I didn't want that anymore. So he suffered enough to make a choice. And that's powerful. That's so powerful. And I believe that to be true too. He's talking to the majority, I think, because some people are very pleasure oriented where they're going to seek pleasure out despite being in a good spot. I mean, like, yeah, but I want more. Those are like the unicorns like that. Those that's great to be wired that way. That's the ideal. But most of us are wired where we're like, I'm good. I'm good here. I don't want to mess it up. Like, why would I mess it up? If I try harder, I might break it and I don't want to break anything. Things are good right now. So we just kind of sit. And, and so when something happens, when you suffer, when you lose your job and you thought that was a really good life to have, and that was something you could trust. And then something happens, guess what? You grow because you find out the hard way and then you have to figure it out. And when, you know, this is how coddling mutes people's growth in childhood. This is how enabling basically keeps, you know, the people talk about man child or the spoiled princess. It's what happens. You're not growing at all when everything's being done for you. Excuses are being made for you when you let yourself make the excuses. So until you suffer enough, sometimes it's not enough to change. But when I am talking about without the hard, like without the struggle, it's because I'm not talking about the natural stuff. I'm talking about the choices you make. Suffering and, and struggle is a choice for so much of what we do on business. You could have a launch that flopped. And that is a suffering that you are experiencing, but, and that's not something you chose, but in it, you can decide to look back and investigate to see what happened there. Did you put your full effort into it? Was it hard? Did it, did it feel like you were forcing it or were you aligned with it? Was it exciting? Was it a method that you really, really, really behind? 
or was like, there's definitely going to be a fissure somewhere in there where it wasn't aligned, where it wasn't for you, where you didn't really want it, where the timing was bad. So like when, when I talk about, it doesn't have to be a struggle. It's like people are forcing so much of what people are doing are forcing what they think they have to do or what they should do because they're looking at what they consider competition and saying they're doing this and they're getting success. I have to try that way now. Where if they found something that like, I really think this way is cool. I think this way looks fun. This, this way feels like me. I feel like I'd have fun with this way. I'm going to give it a shot all the way through. I'm not going to quit halfway. Try the email list now. Try the text thing now. Try launch this way. Try this, try that. Try collabing. Try that. Like people get so scattered and it creates a lot of suffering and struggle. The lack of focus, the lack of alignment, the, the, the big excuses, the, I can never find time to do this. I don't like I have four kids several businesses and I work 34 hours a week. Tell me again why you can't. Tell me again why you can't. Tell me again why you can't. And I brought two babies to work with me strapped to my chest for 24 months straight. Tell me again why you can't. Like I, it's just like, and every single time somebody tells me why they can't, there's an excuse behind it and we can crack it open without like, and I don't do the shame game. Like I'm saying this to you, like, tell me again why you can't, but I don't, I don't really mean that. It's just, you know, I, I can show them and expose to them where, cause I've done the same thing. I lived in my excuses so long. I was like the world's biggest hypocrite where I'm like, no, there's no way. And nobody challenged me on it for the longest time. And I think that's why I help people in that capacity because I will love you enough to challenge you on it because you're going to suffer still. And that's a choice you're making, but you don't know it yet. You don't realize that because nobody's told you. And, and then when you do, when you're like, oh, it's safe to be humble. It's safe to let my ego drop and be like, yes, I've been choosing suffering then I can actually grow. Then I can have fun. Now I can be aligned. Now I don't have to work so hard. Oh, you can schedule things like this. Oh, you don't have to do it that way. Yes. It gets to be easier. So that's kind of, that's, I think the difference between what, um, what David's saying and, and what I'm kind of focused on, if that makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. And I'm so glad you just elaborated on that because I, I, I couldn't wait to ask you that. I think it's so inspiring that like you and him or, or whoever else could potentially have somewhat different ideas, but still have a great discussion about it and learn from yeah. one another. And I, I love how you brought up, I was going to ask you this anyways, the idea of you try not to say always or never in your life and maybe in your coaching as well. And it seems yeah. like you do such a good job of removing the ego and you like, you seem like you have no ego. How do you do that? Like, how do you help somebody that maybe they use always or never, or, or they let ego get in the way or pride? And how do you break down those walls so people can grow? Oh my gosh. I love this. Nobody's out. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. Um, so when I'm coaching somebody, it's going to be a relationship already. So they've already, they already know me. They already know that I care so much about them. They already know that I would never hurt anybody's feelings. Like I don't like fighting. I don't like, it would, it would feel so poisonous to me to try to make somebody feel small. So if I say something to somebody who already knows me and knows that I love them and care about them and I, and they say something like, uh, yeah, well, I could, I couldn't do it that way. Then I can say, you couldn't, why couldn't you? And then I'll find out what they mean by that. And then well, I couldn't because this or that. Well, okay. So that's actually just a timing issue. So you could, but not right now. Yeah, I guess I could, but not right now. Okay. So now you're letting them consider for themselves that the language is wrong. And so you, you do that. You, you, every time you hear something like that, you challenge it gently. And, you know, like I would never, ever do that. And I'll say things like, you've heard me say that before, haven't you? I've, I'd never be on Facebook. Never. 
Never. People, I said it for 20 years. Look at me now. What a hypocrite. Like, <laughs> but look, but when I found out that there was gold there, that there was love there, that there wasn't so much, it wasn't just all toxic and it wasn't all comparison. It wasn't all like talking behind people's backs, that there could be joy there, love there, hope there, business there. Then I saw it for what it was. So I think that when we paint things fully and I'll tell people that like when I'm coaching them or mentoring them, when you say I'll never, or I'll always, you're really cutting off so much possibility because think about the times where always and never are actually true for you. Like I will always, I will always die if I cut off my oxygen all the way. Yes. Yes. That's true. Always, always for that one. Okay. Um, like, you know, like when uh, I'll never, when never what, like, I don't know, I'll never all of a sudden organically have like spiral rainbow colored hair naturally, like probably never. Yeah, probably never. But like what you'd have to go to the most extreme cases to come up with an always or a never, you know? So when, when I remind them of that, they're like, okay, yeah, I, I just, I'm just used to saying things like that. Like I always, or I never, because that's, that's language. That's cultural jargon. That's like what we say. It's just a, a phrasing of, of how we say things, but we don't necessarily mean it, but we're very used to saying it that way. So when we say it that way, our subconscious grabs it for truth and we, our behavior responds. So they, it, oh, I could never. So they don't even try. They don't even look at it. They don't ask questions. They're not interested because that's a never, but their language just needs to change for them to go, well, maybe because that, you know, what you just crack it open just a little bit and then the light shines through and they're like, what's in there? What's in there? And you're like, yeah. That was a never a minute ago. Let's go look. <laughs> that's Fun. amazing. I mean, that's a, just like a little tweak in the language, how much different that can be for somebody's mentality or mindset. That's, oh, yeah. I love that. And, and clearly, Sandra knows what she's talking about because she has, I can't even believe I'm about to say this, but it is the truth. She has put out two best selling books within three months. She wrote both in three months. I still, I'm, I'm thinking about it and saying it out loud. And it doesn't seem like that should be possible, but I can't say never because then you would come down on me. So I can't say that. <laughs> I mean, can you, can you, can you tell us, cause I know we talked a little bit offline about this. I'm, this is mind boggling. Can you tell us about the books and the stories and how that came about and just uh, give us a little yes. insight. So I had written um, in 2019, I had written an online, like an ebook for um, social media for organic growth and kind of strategy for 2019, 2019 stuff, right? Things change. And so, but I haven't put that out in such a long time. And in June of 2021, so not almost a year, it's about 10 months ago, um, the commissioner for New York state police, his, um, his deputy called me and said, Hey, um, we'd love to have you speak for the, for the annual convention for the female officers in New York state. And I was like, uh, that's a huge honor. What, what? Yes. Yes, please. And she's like, we'd like to, yeah. She's like, we'd like to, um, we'd like to buy your book. Cause she'd seen that I was an author this way. And I was like, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the airport with four kids, like my bags. I'm trying to keep track of all my children. I'm on the phone real quick. I'm distracted. Like my flight's about to board. Like, so it's a very quick conversation. I was like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. And I'm grabbing my stuff. And she's like, okay, so just, you know, um, it'll be October this and we'll need this and whatever. I'm like, definitely I'll email you when I get home, look for my email within the next 24 hours. And I was off and I was like sitting on the plane going, I'm not going to give a bunch of female police officers a book about organic social media strategy for what, for like, how useless is that? So I was like, I've got to write the power method. 
the power method being like the three categories that are always so consistent with every woman that I talk to, the power, the leadership, and the work-life integration pieces that everybody like, struggles with, the power, like the, the empowerment. I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can, like the struggle, the internal struggles with, you know, self-concept and imposter syndrome and all of that, like that allows you to stay smaller. And then the leadership, like claiming that, owning your space in that, in the home, in the community, in your business, like everywhere you go and what that actually looks like and how to create your own leadership style without being like, something you're not and work-life integration. How do you make it work without so much hard? How do you make it work without pulling your hair out? How do you make it work without working 60 hours a week? And these are the things that they talk about. And so work-life integration, whether you're an entrepreneur or, or a police officer in New York state, these are all very relevant issues for women across the world. And, and more so even maybe for somebody like a police officer who needs to remember how powerful they are. And they're not just stuck in a system that kind of sometimes ties their hands behind their backs, but also the, a lot of public hatred is spit out to officers, especially recently. And, um, you know, and there are some really, really good, wonderful working people that just want to do their job and wanted to help and things got weird maybe. And, and then the leadership and, you know, trying to be a mom when they come home, if, if they're moms, like, so I was like, I got to write this book because if it's October, how long do I have to actually write it? How long for edit and formatting? How long for printing? Cause I'd already, I'd written a book for our, it was a, a book journal instructional 143 pages for our, for our clinic, for our health clinic, for all of the patients that bought into our program. So I knew a bit about publications and how that worked, but I hadn't written my own like that. So I was like, it's gotta be done. It's gotta be done, done by August. If I'm going to get it in their hands by week one of October. So I was like, and go. <laughs> so, so I, I sat down really. And, um, and I had programs going on. I was busy in July, so I couldn't even address it yet. And I was like, I knew I had a, like, you either start now or you, you have to cancel the speaking event. Um, so that was like my August two date. So I knew I had to get it done. So I sat down and I was just like having those three categories. I was just like, let's get it on paper, I guess. Let's, let's talk about it. And then I, and I, and I put those powerful pieces in there and then I just like laced through my life anecdotes and the stories in my life that anchor in the teachings that I was mentioning. And then I brought in clients, friends of mine to do a private reading before I launched it, kind of to have, have women in a sense, bless the book before it goes out to other women. Like, is this good enough? Is this worthy of their time? Like my, my worst fear was like, I don't want them to be like, ah, I just wasted two hours of my life on that stupid thing. So I, I wanted my trusted people to be like, yes, the village blesses this book to go out to the world. So they did more than that. They surprised me. They, they cried. They gave me the most love and appreciation and support. Like they overgave um, after I read to them the entire book cover to cover. And then from that, there were so many women that were like, I want to tell my story. I've been sitting on a book for so many years. Uh, I've, I've thought about the idea of becoming an author. I just, it's so compelling. Like what a dream to be an author. And I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. People like dream about this. This is like a, and I just did it. And I don't want to seem like that's like, oh, it's no big deal. Just trying to fuck. Like, I didn't want to minimize the importance of their dream either. And I'm like, we could do this. So one of my, one of my best friends and I decided she was, she was there with me. She was here from Israel in my house at the time. She's a wonderful woman. Her name's Sharon Cohen. And she was here like helping me through a bunch of stuff that I was going through personally. And she's like, let's do it. Let's, let's help them write a book. And so we had all of these women, 
they signed up and they hired to say like, how do I write this book? So I'm coaching them on the book writing, the outlining, the how to tell their story, helping them get their story out properly, keep it on track. Cause I don't want any one of them to have a story that doesn't represent who they are. And not everybody knows how to write the story that they have. And so these women really get it now. They really get it. And their stories are so beautiful, so powerful and um, so very different too. And you're done reading this and you're like, okay, I can do anything now. If people can go through stuff like this and like survive and then even get better, then I can do anything. <laughs> it's great. So that happened. And both of them turned international bestseller in three months. It was like, it was, a, it felt like a miracle. I mean, it, it's just incredible. I mean, I, I can't even imagine how, I mean, the stars aligned and God and everything all rolled into one. And, but, but also I'm not going to downplay the fact that I'm sure you worked your butt off over the course of those three months. So I mean, the stars can align all they want, but if you're not doing the work, it's probably not going to happen. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. You can't just lay down and eat chips, but I do love chips and I do like taking naps. (laughs) I mean, but but yeah, it was, it was a lot, but you know what it is? It's, it's, it's focused work. So it's not like I was, I was tunneled in. I wasn't doing all of the other things I normally do. I was putting that on hold. So I'm not going to sit there and work 80 hours a week just to get it done in three weeks. I'm going to put other things on hold because I can't die in the process either. Like, let's not. I mean, it's summertime. It, I got, you know, three birthdays that month, including my own. And I've got the kids at sports, everybody like it's about to be in school season. There's a lot going on. My home was getting renovated. I, w- I was month six into my home renovation. Like, I was just like, everybody shut up and like, let me for 34 hours a week. I'm going to write this book. And that's what I did. Oh, so you, you worked for 34 hours a week on the, on the book. Like that was the main focus. Yes. But I work 34 hours every week. That's all I do. But I I love that because that means that you're, like you said, you're not dying writing the book and you're, you have time for your family and your friends and for that. Like, can you talk about that? Because it seems like, and, and maybe more so in the United States, but like we wear this, like a badge of honor, like. I worked 75 hours last week, oh, almost gosh. like proud of that. I'm not oh, saying yeah. I did, but like there, there are some individuals yeah. who feel that way. How do you get it all in, in 34 hours? And how do you not feel, this is going to sound weird, but how do you not feel guilty that you didn't work 60 hours a week and get it done? I had to work on the guilt. I had to work on that because I came from a hustle culture that was like, get in before the boss, leave after the boss so they know. So they'll see you and they'll promote you and they'll, and everyone is doing it. So you're... <clears throat> passive aggressively fighting the guy next to you in the cubicle being like, I can stay later than him. And it's just awful. And then you get home and I found out, I found out probably too late, I guess, but my kids were maybe my oldest were maybe like seven and five. And I came home from work one day and, you know, frantic and frazzled and tired and exhausted and disappointed and just annoyed in general. And these sweet little angels <clears throat> always ask me, how's your work? How's your work today, mom? Busy busy, hard, what, like, oh, busy. So one of the days I, I came home and I dropped my bag and my son goes, how's work? And, and he saw my face and he goes, let me guess, busy. And I was like, Ooh, oh, you know, so I'm, I'm programming my kids to think work sucks. They hate it. It's torture. They're not going to enjoy their life. Being a grown-up's the worst. Um, mom doesn't really love you when she comes home. Like it was all bad, you know? So I, as far as being proud of it, it's like being proud of what, for who, who do I have to impress with my work? They fired me anyway. They fired me anyway. I worked my arse off and I'm like working on weekends and I'm taking my kids in on the weekends sometimes to do some extra projects if I need to, like I'm sacrificing anything and it doesn't matter to the people who, who own it. So 
who cares anyway? Cause my kids care that I'm not home. I care that I don't get to see them. I care that they're disappointed in my face when I come home. So and the more I surrounded myself with other people, other mentors, other entrepreneurs that were like bragging about like, ah, I get it all done in 10 hours. I'm like, excuse me, T- tell me your magic. Like what, what? And so the more I listened the more I was like, they're proud of it. And I'm like, it seems selfish. It seems snobby. It seems ego driven. And then I, again, flipped it like a hypocrite. And I was like, hmm, but if I could, would I love that? Would I brag about it? Probably not, but I would love it. And then I got to the point where I was like, no, I can, if I brag about it, not in a bragging sense, but if I promote it, that I can do that, then other people will question the way that they're doing it and decide that maybe they don't have to do it this hard because they don't. And you start looking for cracks in, in your day and in your schedule and how you can actually shift things. And so the way that I do that is I don't schedule it with the nine to five approach where it's like, well, first you have to get up and do this and you have to journal for this amount of time and you have to sit and reflect and do this and then plan your day and then call your clients, check your email, da, 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 da. like all of the, whatever standard traditional advice, traditional advice never worked for me. It set me to stressville and like close to the grave. So I don't take traditional advice anymore. Well, I can't say I don't ever, can I? No, but you I can't. Don't. You can't say that. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so <clears throat> now you know, I was diagnosed last year with, um, with ADHD and, um, everybody in my life had been telling me that forever. I'm like, that's not true. Yes, it is. Um, <laughs> and, but because of that too, I started to recognize the patterns in my day when I had the most energy and focus. And when I felt like things were getting harder, things were annoying. Now I'm frustrated. Now I don't really like my job. I don't like this piece of it. I don't want to do this. Well, I kind of do want to do this at this time of day. Maybe I don't hate it so much. Maybe I just am tired. Maybe decision fatigue has ran its course for the day and I should schedule this at a different time. Maybe I should. So playing with where do I, which activities am I doing and when am I doing them? And which activities do I need to like all, all out stop? And which activities are actually moving me and which ones are moving my heart, you know? So which ones are moving my wallet and my heart at the same time? Progress from my patients or my, <laughs> used to be patients, now my clients. And, and where, you know, how much time do I actually need to give the energy that I have to give? Cause I'm an introvert. So I have to like generate it, you know, I have to like build it up to give it. So, and then after I give it, I got to like re like rejuvenate. I got to like sit and quiet and be alone with like sound canceling headphones. So I have to be intentional because I want to give everything I have, but I can't do that if I'm running on like high octane the whole time. So it's scheduling. Like when do you, when, when, when is your, everybody has one, like when's your power hour segment? Like when's your, two to three, four hour block of time where you're like, I could lose time here. If you give me a project that I like to do and this, in this window of time, I don't even know you exist anymore. It's done. Like I'm so focused. That's the time where you get your highest priority activities done that are like going to be the needle movers in your business. And then the rest of it, you know, you can delegate a lot. You can ditch a lot. You can get a, a VA to support you, to help you, but you can also just do it at different times, automate it. Like there's so much you can do to remove the need to be behind the desk all the time. Yeah, that's such a good point. Uh, that's such a that's such a great idea. You have me thinking too about my day and where when do I feel I'm a morning guy. So like 5 a.m. to 8 a.m. is like my favorite part of the you. day. But that's a really that's something fascinating to think about. And listeners, that's something for you to think about. That's such a great takeaway to figure out mm-hmm. where your power hours are. And and along with those lines, Sandra, because I'm interested to hear this too. For anyone listening, if they do feel they need coaching, mentorship, et cetera, like what, what programs do you offer? Are there people on here that can 
are you accepting clients and what, what kind of programs do you have going on? So I do, I do programs, live events and live group trainings throughout the year. I do them like there's something going on every single month in my world. And I also do one-on-one trainings, like not one-on-one trainings, one-on-one mentorship. So I only take, now I take four people a month at any given time because I can't, I can't go past the 34 hours based on the life that I've designed. And so I want to give everybody everything that I have, but I've I've had to cap that for the energy it requires because they they're going to get the best in all of me and the focus from me. So then the small group coaching, those are more intermittent peppered throughout the year. And they have like a, they they have a timeline, like a, a, like a start and stop timeline. And I'm playing with the idea of a mastermind that I want to create for the fall. So that's not out yet, but that might be a longer term thing, like maybe a six month or an annual, but there is a, there's an annual pass basically that I have. It's called the annual ascension. And this is a pass that gives people the ability to jump into and have access to every single live training, live event, live group coaching that I do throughout the entire 12 months period. So they don't miss anything. They have constant and perpetual growth every single month throughout the year. And that is something that I've always required for me because I, if I don't have a track, I always feel like anxious that I that I'm going to fall behind because I love the growth. I get excited to know more. I can help more people when I know more. And so for me, that was like a, always a secure place to be. So I have that now as well, but all of it, all of it is on my website too. And it's, it's, it's listed in the work with me page and, and it's updated regularly. So anything that I have offering is, is going to show up there too. I love it. And what's, so we'll put this in the show notes too, but what is your website? Where, where do people go? SandraHasley.com. Boom. Is that the best way to find you? What about like, are you active on social media or anything? Or is that, is your website the best way? Actually, Facebook is great. Instagram's great. I'm more active on Facebook than Instagram. I'm active on LinkedIn, less active than both on LinkedIn, but they're all connected to my email, the direct messages. I see them and I get back to them. So all of those are, and it's me, it's me almost all the time, unless it's my business page on Facebook, it's me that you're going to interact with. So I don't want to give that piece up just yet. And I really like the relationship based part of it. And, um, and it moves faster for me too. So I, I prefer to do that. So you're going to get me if you do that. But I think that my email is still somewhere on the website, (laughs) but all of the social channels are on there too. Okay, so we'll link the website up when we put this in the show notes. And like you're, I I feel like when this is over, like my energy is five times higher than it was before we started. Like you bring that when you when you said something about napping, I, I thought to myself, I don't think this woman naps. Like I don't, I don't see that happening. Like you just seem like you can sustain this high energy through the whole day, but maybe that's how you do it. Maybe you nap. Maybe that's how you keep the energy. I nap, I nap before we did the podcast. I just, I was done. I was napping right before this. Are I you have serious? my sleep mask right there. I'm serious. I have a couch that turns into a bed in my office and I was just my blanket and my pillows and my sleep mask and my sound canceling headphones are right there. And I was listening to binaural beats and then I, my timer went off. I was like, Oh, ready for my. <laughs> <laughs> well, it works because your energy is contagious and I, I was also kind of chuckling to myself when you said you're an introvert, because I, I guess sometimes like you come off as very outgoing, energizing, et cetera. But I guess you know you and you are an introvert when it comes down to it. The thing about that is that for people who know the Myers-Briggs scales, and I don't know them all, I just know mine, um, that I'm an INFJ. So it appears that I'm very outgoing and, and most people are shocked by that, that I'm an introvert, but you're not going to see me at parties. You're not going to like, I don't go shopping. 
I don't go shopping anywhere and grocery store is like an emergency run if I have to, but like most of it's going to be Instacarted and you get the best of me when I know you and I'm safe with you and I can talk to you. Like I'm, I'm, I'm definitely myself with you. I can't do it for a long, long time. Cause I got to, I got to like you know, power down, but like, but I'm not fake. I can't be fake. Like, so if I get into an environment that makes me feel like I got to like show up or like pretend or be a certain way, I can't be there. Like I just, so that's why I think people get all of me when they're around me because I let them and I, I do that in concentrated areas, you know? So it, it appears that I'm very like excitable. It's like, yes, because the people that I love are here. So I'm happy, <laughs> but I got to go home soon. <laughs> I love, I, I, Totally agree that it seems like you are incapable of being fake. Like you seem authentic, the real you, and everybody gets that. And I just think that that shows the confidence you have in yourself. So I, I can't thank you enough for hopping on here. This has been, I've been smiling from ear to ear the entire time, even before we started recording. I'm rooting for you. And I just, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you hopping on with us. Oh, this is fun. This is so fun. I was really happy to do it. So I, yeah, I <laughs> probably have more follow-up conversation after this, more sparks coming, but um, yeah, what a pleasure too. Like I love, again, like that having an interview on a high level to help people like this with somebody as energetic and focused and, you know, driven to help others. It's, it's, it's a joy to be connected in that way. So I'm really grateful. Wow. Well, I appreciate you. And I have to say before we, we hopped on here, Sandra asked me some very powerful questions that got me thinking. So if you're thinking about reaching out to her, do it because in five seconds, she had my mind, my brain was going 10 different directions. And she asked some very powerful questions that I'll be thinking about for a long period of time. So you're awesome. Yeah. Thanks for awesome. hopping on. Thank you. Yeah. And thank you all for listening. And we will see you all next week on the Live in the Dream podcast. Thank you again, Sandra. Thanks for listening to another episode of Living the Dream with Matt Scaletti. I'm so grateful for you. Please share this podcast on your social media so others can benefit from this valuable content. Also, please subscribe to my podcast because if you aren't, I am watching you. <laughs> Check me out on social media and message me if you need me as your keynote speaker at Matt Scaletti on social media. I respond to all messages. Thanks, and I love you so much. Oh, 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 oh,